Well, thank you so much, guys, for joining us today. Really appreciate you being here. And uh, we're going to continue our series, Fight the Good Fight, based upon First uh, Timothy chapter 1. And uh, I will be looking at First Timothy 1. I will be looking at a couple other uh, texts of Scripture, too. So you will want your Bible open to First Timothy chapter 1. And uh, because I want us to hear from God. Uh, I don't want you to hear from me. Uh, I want you to hear from God. And uh, the Bible is God's word, every bit of it. And, uh, yeah, so we want to look at that. Now, I, I, I want you to consider something. I want you to consider that, that Paul was um, the Apostle Paul. Uh, I want you to consider for a moment his previous way of life, kind of his B.C. days, his before Christ days. Um, Paul was a blasphemer. He was a violent man who was trying to destroy the church. Let, let, me, let, me, let me think about it. Let's, let's back away from this for a moment. Have you ever seen a really attractive woman married to a man who, we'll, we'll just call him plain, okay? You ever see uh, a really attractive woman married to a man who's maybe not so attractive and wonder, how did those two end up together? Okay? How did those two end up together? And, and Rich is pointing at himself. Probably most of you are thinking about, yeah, we were thinking about Gary and Joy. <laughs> How on earth did Joy end up with Gary, you know? Or Gary end up with Joy? And, uh, and, and think about this. Why on earth, why on earth would God choose a blasphemer? Why would God choose a blasphemous violent man who tried to destroy the church, having people arrested and imprisoned and in some cases killed, why would God choose someone like that to be an apostle of Christ Jesus? Why? Why wouldn't he choose someone who maybe was, I don't know, uh, maybe at least they grew up going to Sunday school? Well, actually, Paul did, okay? But why would God choose someone like Paul to be an apostle of Christ Jesus? And why does that even matter? Why does that question even matter? And what does it mean for us and how we should live our lives as we are waiting for the return of Jesus? Let's look at the Bible together. Uh, we'll be looking here at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. So 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 20. And, uh, and this is what the Bible says. Here's what the Scripture says. Uh, Paul writes, he says this. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to a service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. Because I acted uh, in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here is a trustworthy saying. 
Okay, here is a trustworthy word. This is a saying, a word you can take to the bank. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I will show mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Timothy, my son. I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Holding on to faith and a good conscience. So which some have rejected and so have suffered shipwreck for their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have handed over to Satan. To be taught not to blaspheme. Uh, this morning, I want us to think about. Uh, I want us to think about why on earth would God choose someone like Paul to be an apostle for the gospel? Uh, I want us to think about what does that mean for you and me. What's the significance of it? Why does it matter? And I, I want us to to talk about how does God want us to live. Uh, moving forward as we're waiting for, for Jesus to return. Uh, first of all, let me do this. Let me just kind of uh, pray for us one more time here. Pray that God will help us to really internalize his word, and we'll dive into this, okay? Lord Jesus, today, what we want is we want a more profound understanding of your grace and mercy, not just for Paul, but for us. And Lord, what we want to do is like Timothy, we want to learn how to fight the good fight. Uh, hanging on to faith, clinging to, holding on to faith in a good conscience. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Three things I want you to see in this text. Uh, The first thing is uh, I want you to see the grace of God. I want you to see the reliable message, and I want you to see the believer's mission. So I want you to see the grace of God, the reliable message, and the believer's mission. And there are three points, three basic points I want you to see in this text today. First of all, the grace of God. The grace of God turns a violent man, a, 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 a violent man into a servant of God. Okay? That, that, that the grace of God, that where do we see this? If you're reading here in your Bible and you're looking at, at the first few verses here in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, uh, that when Paul writes, he says this, he says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who's given me strength, that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. And then in verse 13 he says, even though I was once a, a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. I don't really know exactly what was going on in the hearts and minds of people in Ephesus at this time. What we do know is that Paul left uh, Timothy in Ephesus because there were some people there who were teaching strange doctrines. They were teaching false teachings. And their false teaching was based upon 
myths. It was based upon endless genealogies. And it was leading to what Paul called controversial speculations. In other words, there was nothing good coming out of their teaching. And so what Paul had left Timothy in Ephesus to do was to instruct these, these men, these people, these false teachers, to knock it off. Knock it off. That's, that's in the Greek here, in the Bible. Knock it off. Knock it off. Knock off all, all that bad teaching, okay? Uh, and he left them there for that purpose. And, and then he goes on. He talks a little bit about the rightful use of the law that, that leads, to, uh, it leads to sound doctrine. Uh, that conforms to the gospel. And then he goes into, in these verses, a little bit of what some people would call a digression. That, that Paul digresses from his primary point to make a secondary point. So he goes into this little digression, but the digressions of Paul were never without purpose and a point. Whenever Paul digressed, he always made a point. It was always with a purpose, and then he would go back into his main point again. And apparently, there may have been some people in Ephesus who didn't like Timothy's leadership, because later in, in, in 1 Timothy, he tells Timothy, don't let anybody look down on you because of your youth. Uh, and he is, is, is right up front, right up front. He tells the people who are in Ephesus that I am an apostle of Christ Jesus by the command of God our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope, that I am an apostle of Christ Jesus. I speak on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I don't do this because I chose myself. I don't do this because I was chosen by some ecclesiastical council, some church council. He's saying, I do this by command of God, our Savior, and Christ Jesus, our hope. And I, I imagine there are probably a few people who are like, but why should we listen to Paul? Why on earth would God choose someone who is a blasphemer, someone who is um, a violent man, someone who tried to destroy the church? Why would God choose someone like that to proclaim his message? And, and the short answer to that is simply this. Because God is merciful. Because God is gracious. In verse 14, uh, Paul writes, The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The reason that God chose Paul for this purpose is because God is gracious and merciful. Now, now why is that important and significant in your life today? And the reason that's important is this, is, is that if God can, by his grace and mercy, turn Paul, someone like Paul, a blasphemer, a, a, a destroyer of the church. If God can do that in the life of Paul, think of what God can do in your life. Think of what God can do in your life. That God wants to work in you and God wants to work through you. And if God's grace and mercy was enough for Paul, God's grace and mercy is enough for you. That what God wants to do is he wants to pour out his grace in your heart in richest measure. Uh, Think of it like this. I I grew up in in Little Rock, Arkansas. Most of y'all know that. And uh, periodically, uh, we would get get these, uh, we would just get 
these huge, heavy storms that would drop lots and lots of rain that we wished we had. You know, rain, just in case you're, you don't remember, it's that wet stuff that falls from the sky. You know, I know it's been a while since you've seen any, all right? So I felt compelled to tell you what rain is. But, but sometimes we would get so much of that wet stuff in so much measure that the Arkansas River would begin to swell, and all the little tributaries that would feed into it would begin to swell. And I can remember as a, as a young man, I used to drive uh, uh, deliveries for Wakefield Pharmacy, and uh, I, I can remember at times trying to drive down Mabelville Pike, and the river would just uh, it would just erupt out of its banks, and it covered the road and everything, and you did not, you did not try to get into it. You did not try to drive that road because there it would sweep you away and it destroyed cars. Anybody who would go out there? I remember as a boy, uh, we were driving along University Avenue in Little Rock on more than one occasion. And I remember, you know, we'd be driving from our house to our church where we went to church. And on the right side of the road, uh, on the left side of the road, you'd see Rebsum and Ford. Well, you wouldn't see Rebsum and Ford, but you would see a sign up out of the water, okay? You would see cars. Well, you wouldn't see cars. You would see them from the rooftops of the cars. You'd see uh, Arnold Palmer driving range completely underwater. Uh, I, I can remember driving by Kmart, and I remember watching these boats, these flat-bottom boats, out there uh, going across the parking lot. And, and when the water would recede, there would be pop marks on the tops of the cars. Okay? And uh, what would happen is uh, those rivers, they would just overwhelm everything in their path and and this is what god wants to do in your life and my life he doesn't want to leave a wake of destruction but he wants to leave a wake of good that god wants to fill your heart in your life he wants to to pour out grace on you and me the same way he did uh, that he did, Paul. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The grace with faith and with love. Where there was once an unbelieving heart. Paul said that he acted in unbelief and ignorance. Where there was once an unbelieving heart, there was faith. Where there was once a blasphemous, a violent man, uh, violence in his heart. Uh, trying to destroy the church, there was love. And that's what God's grace does. That God's grace takes someone like Paul and takes people like you and me and makes us servants of God. Second thing I want you to see in the text is this. is I, I want you to see the reliable message. The reliable message. Uh, here in verse 15. Paul writes, he says, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Here is a trustworthy saying. Here is, remember the false teachers we were talking about in, in, in Ephesus? The false teachers, they were teaching uh, false doctrine that was based on what? It was based upon myths, endless genealogies, controversial speculations. But here, Paul is proclaiming a trustworthy message. And Paul says, here is a trustworthy uh, saying that deserves full acceptance. Full acceptance. Not just kind of, uh, I don't know, like a head nod. And, you know, I, I, you know, I see people nod their heads in church every once in a while. 
some because you're agreeing with me and some because you're falling asleep, okay? But, but the word of God here deserves more than a head nod. Here, it deserves full acceptance. And this is what Paul says the trustworthy statement is for you and for me. It says this, it says that Christ Jesus came into the world. Christ Jesus came into the world. Um, he came into the world to do minor improvements in the lives of slightly imperfect people. Isn't that what the Bible says? Christ Jesus came into the world to do uh, just a little modest, uh, uh, you know, uh, minor improvements in the lives of slightly imperfect people. And, and I, you know, and sometimes in church, I think sometimes people can kind of have that attitude. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm basically a good person. I'm not that bad. Yeah, I, I know I need Jesus to go to heaven. Uh, well, Jesus didn't come into the world to do minor improvements in the lives of slightly imperfect people. Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And I know it's really out of fashion to call people sinners. You know, I, I know in our world today that, that, that when someone stands up and says, you know, if you don't know Jesus, you're a sinner. Actually, if you do know Jesus, you're a sinner. <laughs> if you said you're a sinner, okay? So I know it's not real politically correct in our world today to say that, that people are sinners. But here's what I'm going to say is the, the Bible really doesn't care about what's politically correct. The Bible doesn't really try to adjust. You know, God isn't really upset if he, or excuse me, yeah, he's not really concerned about upsetting people. He really isn't. Jesus, we were talking about this earlier, seven different times. What does he say to the Pharisees? He says, whoa, 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 seven times. Whoa, man, you guys are going to get it. You're going to get it. And here's the thing is, without Jesus, Every one of us, we're going to get it. We were sinners. We were sinners and we were on our way to hell. Now, some of us may have been on our way to hell in very, very nice cars. You know, I was on my way to hell on a very nice specialized uh, gravel bike, my Diverge. Well, maybe uh, I came to know Jesus before I got my Diverge. But without Jesus, I would be on my way to hell without on, on my, my bicycle. Okay. And uh that Jesus came into to the world to save sinners. You know, in, in Luke chapter 7, there's a story. There's a story about a guy. His name is Simon. And Simon was, uh, he was a church leader. Okay? He was a religious leader in his community. And he has Jesus into his home. And Jesus comes into the home of Simon. And as Jesus is in the home with Simon, the Bible tells us that a, quote, unquote, sinful woman, uh, a, a sinful woman came in, and uh, I, I need to turn to this real quick, because this is, like, super interesting. Uh, and, and what happens is this woman, she, she comes in, and uh, I have it here somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah, right here. It's in, uh, no, that's not it. Oh, is it? Oh, you're right, yeah. Uh, it's in uh, Luke 7. And, and, and so what happens uh, is that, that this woman uh, she comes into the home of uh, uh, of Simon, and the Bible tells us that she begins to wet the feet of Jesus with her tears, and she wipes his feet with her hair, and she begins kissing the feet of Jesus. 
Now, if someone did that to me, I would feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm just going to tell you. I, I would feel a little bit uncomfortable, but it's a little bit different with Jesus, all right? And But what what is happening in this moment is the Bible tells us that Simon the Pharisee looks at Jesus, and he thinks to himself, he thinks to himself, if this man, this is the scary thing, Jesus knows what we're thinking, okay? Nothing you say, nothing you think, no, you have no secrets with God, all right? Um, and he was thinking to himself, if this man, Jesus, were a prophet, by the way, he was a lot more than a prophet. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus says to Simon, Simon, I have something to tell you. And, uh, and, so, um, and so Simon says, tell me, tell me, okay? And, 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 and Jesus says there was a certain money lender who, uh, who loaned 500 denarii to one person and 50 denarii to another person. Now, uh, a denarii was uh, basically one day's wages. So let's just say, you know, to one he gave, let's say, $50,000, loaned $50,000 to him. To the other, he only loaned 5000 And it happens that neither one of these people have the means to, to pay back the money lender. And so the money lender forgives the debt of both. And, and then uh, Jesus says to Simon, he says, Simon, which of those two, two people do you think will love the money lender more? And what Simon says, very insightfully, is the one who was forgiven more. And when, when Jesus, what Jesus does, he says, you know, uh, that's right. Uh, uh, that's right. The one uh, to whom much is forgiven, there is much love. Uh, he said, you know, since I came into this, and the scripture tells us that he looks at the woman. He says, you know, when I came into your house, you didn't give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman has not, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. As her great love has shown. Now, the question is, do you want to be forgiven much? Or do you want to be forgiven little? What the whole point of the text isn't that that one person is more sinful than the other. The the point of the story is that that one person recognizes their great sin and the other does not. We see this again. You know, Jesus tells another story, and and I think it's in Acts. Well, I can't. No, no. Excuse me. I think it's also in Luke. But he tells a story about uh, a tax collector and a Pharisee. And and the Pharisee and the tax collector, they both show up at synagogue to worship. And the Bible tells us that the tax collector stands at the back, uh, afraid to really enter. And he stands in the back and he beats his chest and he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. While the Pharisee says, God, I thank you that I'm not like these other people, like this tax collector. 
I tithe, I fast twice a week, I do this, I do that, I vote for this party, not that party. I do all of these things. And Jesus says, it's the first man who went home justified, not the second. What happens is sometimes we begin to think in the church world that it's what we do that makes us better than other people. And that's not it at all. The trustworthy message is not that church people are better than unchurched people. The trustworthy message is this, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Um, He didn't come into the world to make minor improvements of slightly imperfect people. He came to save. Third thing I want you to see in this text, really important, is this. Is I want you to see... Uh, the believer's mission. So we've looked at uh, we've looked at uh, the grace of God. We've looked at uh, the trustworthy message, and I want us to see the believer's mission: fight the good fight by holding on to the faith and a good conscience. Now, what Paul tells Timothy, verse eighteen, Timothy, my son, I am giving you this command. I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you. So, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle, battle well. Or as the New American Standard translates it, fight the good fight. Holding on to faith. With, uh, holding on to faith in a good conscience. Which some have rejected and suffered shipwreck for their faith. Uh, suffered shipwreck with, with regards to their faith. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing. That God doesn't want you to suffer shipwreck. God doesn't want that. God doesn't want your life, God doesn't want your Christian life to have a great beginning and a terrible end. God doesn't want that. Most people don't set out following Jesus to have a great beginning and a terrible end. But this is exactly what was happening in the city of Ephesus. There were some people, these false teachers, who were teaching false doctrines. And uh, their false doctrine was so destructive and so disruptive in the church uh, that Paul calls out two by name. But their their teaching was so disruptive and so destructive that that Paul says to them, they they have rejected uh, they have rejected the faith in a good conscience, and they have suffered shipwreck with regard to their faith. Among them are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan to be taught not to blaspheme. God doesn't want us to have a great beginning and a terrible end. And the way that we ensure a great end to a great beginning is that we continue day by day, beginning today, to fight the good fight. If you fall down, Get back up again and fight the good fight. And if you fall down, get back up and fight the good fight. And if you fall down, keep getting up. Because that's what fighting the good fight is about. It's about never falling down. It's about always getting up. It's about holding on to the faith. And when you fail, hold on to the faith. Because it's Jesus who holds. Because it's Jesus who holds on to you. 
to fight the good fight. God wants us to understand his grace and mercy, not just in Paul's life, but our lives. By the way, it's always good from time to time to think about your life before Jesus. Not to wallow in guilt and shame, but to celebrate grace and mercy. It's always good from time to time to remember where you've come from, to be filled with gratitude and be grateful. And then remember the grace, the mercy of God that, that, that makes us servants. That, 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 that to remind ourselves of the, 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 the reliable message that deserves full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners like me, sinners like Paul, you know, it's, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to back up here again on this because I didn't really do this before. Is that, you know, Christ, or Paul says this. He says that, that for this very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example to everyone who would believe and receive eternal life. That the reason that God saved Paul was an example that God can save you and me and will save you and me. Uh, and then that we fight the good fight. I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come back up. I'm going to pray for us. God, today we are so grateful uh, for your grace, your mercy in our lives. Uh, God, we are grateful that even though once our sin was great, your grace and your mercy was far greater. Uh, we are uh, grateful, God, uh, for the reliable message that deserves full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners like us. We are really, really grateful for that. And God, what we want to do is we don't want to just kind of coast from here until Jesus returns again, just kind of being good church people. Instead, what we want to do is we want to fight the good fight. And we want to do this for the honor and the glory of your name. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.